from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and so grateful for you to spend your time with us, whether you are listening on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt, or you're watching on Facebook Live on facebook.com backslash livenowdt. We appreciate it. And we are inside of the Charney's Men's Wear and Tuxedo Studios, 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. We start the week off inside of Mon Pa's Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factories. What's popping with Stefan Thompson? Stefan Thompson just got a huge honor from the NABC. But even bigger than that, uh, there are other things obviously going on in today's world that we are going to get to and speak about. So with that being said, uh, Stefan, first and foremost, you had a fantastic first season as the head coach with Hobart. And on top of all of that, uh, a great honor from the NABC. So let me say congratulations to start things off. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, good morning to you and all the listeners out there. I'm glad I get to start my week with you. And, you know, and, and, and Stefan, you know, you and I have, have spoken on a lot of things and we've talked about, you know, kind of uh, your passion and, and, and what you have in this world. And we've gone well beyond basketball to, to kind of tell your story and, and your come up and all of that. Uh, you have been uh, very clear about uh, positive change, and you've done that on social media and whatnot. So I'm kind of just going to open the doorways to you and, and let you go with this on, on what you uh, want to say this morning about where we can go and, and kind of the state of things as social justice is being sought and uh, freedom for all is being sought as well in our community and beyond that. Well, I appreciate the platform to be able to speak, and um, and I've had multiple conversations with you know family, friends, mentors, and it's just been great to get some insight and, and see how everyone else is handling these circumstances that we're all placed in currently. Um, you know, I think the the virus shocked the whole United States, even the whole world, right? And everyone was on lockdown, and and then obviously the George Floyd situation, I think, opened people's eyes even more. Um, so for us, Dan, I, I just think you know the conversation has changed, right? And, and people have had enough throughout the country. You know, you're seeing protests in all 50 states. Um, so I'm thankful that uh, people are willing to listen and uh, hear out. Uh, specifically, you know, the stories of black people throughout our country and all the oppression they've been through. Um, I, I think we're at a point in our history where, you know, we need to analyze, you know, the systems and, and try to figure out what practices and policies are outdated uh, and uh, try to be able to update those, not just for black people, but for everyone. You know, our world's changed since we wrote our Constitution. Um, and, and I think we need to be able to be more reflective of that to make sure that everyone has a chance at, uh, you know, everything the United States says they wants to offer people, Dan. So uh, I'm excited to see where we move forward uh, as a country, as a society, as a community. But it all starts with us as individuals trying to make our market, you know, having a conversation, but then following that up with some action. You know, and, and you, like you said, and, and so many have said, it all starts with a conversation what is the conversation that we need to be having? What needs to be stated in this conversation, and who do you want to see involved in this conversation? Well, I think um, 
you know, we need to look at a lot of our systems, right? Well, for me, I, I work in education. You know, I'm a college basketball coach, but, you know, I look at my job as a leader to educate the players in my program and other people I encounter on our campus. But I think we need to reexamine our education systems. Um, I was actually having a conversation with our team last week, Dan, and, you know, I told them throughout my whole academic uh, experience as a student, I've had one black teacher my entire life um and that came in college and he was a professor of african-american history Uh, so that that just opened my eyes to say that you know a lot of what i've learned throughout my educational experience doesn't necessarily necessarily reflect the true history of the united states so i think examining what we are uh educating our students on what we're telling our youth has actually happened in our country is a a great place for us to start Uh, because i think a lot of the curriculums are, are misleading leading uh, our students to understand what we're actually about here in the United States. And, you know, and, and like you said, I mean, to go to go through your life and to only have uh, one teacher that's black, and like you said, to, to have that teacher be of African studies, I mean, what, what does that say to you about where we need to be? Because in the sports world, you know, it's brought up in the NFL that there's not enough coaches from the black community, and, you know, we look at different pieces of society, and you're going at it from the education part uh, with teachers, and then the education part with coaches, you know, we're, we're seeing that too, and, you know, I, I think even in, in some places, I mean, for goodness sakes, here in our community of Syracuse, you know, Dino Babers is the first African-American coach ever uh, for the football team. So, you know, there's 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 things that are happening that kind of make me stop and go, oh, well, good for Dino. But then I kind of scratch my head and go, but why did that happen, you know, within the, in the 2010s? I mean, that could have happened before. So, you know, how, how do we... How do we start to make those changes and give those opportunities? Because just like women have said for years and they continue to say now, you know, we would like to have similar opportunities as men. Now, you know, people from the black community saying, okay, well, we want these leadership opportunities. We have great people in our community that want to uh, go out for these jobs. And, and there's different things like affirmative action that were set up so that there could be equal opportunity. But I find it crazy that we even need affirmative action because I, I think whatever your color is, it should just be the, again, the content of your character and your ability. So, I mean, there's things set in place in our society that kind of admitted the fact that we're not giving the same opportunity to people of the black community. And I think it's insane, but it still continues today, even with affirmative action. I agree. And I think, um, you know, understanding the history of the black people in our country is, is vital to being able to, you know, put together the the understanding of why black people have historically just been you know oppressed and undermined you know whether it's getting positions and leadership or you know getting opportunities but i think we need to examine all of those things there because it, i'm a sociology guy dan and i don't you know pinpoint one specific thing um so when you're looking at it you have to look at you know housing markets you know where people are growing up what kind of education uh they're getting you know what is their family background um you know i'm biracial uh, my mom is white, my dad's black, but, you know, if I examine, you know, the, the black history of myself, I can't go beyond, uh, you know, my grandfather, you know, he doesn't even really know who his real father is. And, um, you know, that's just a lot of black people in this country who have lost their, their true history. Right. So as a result, you know, they're trying to move forward with knowing where missteps have happened in the past. Um, but then if you look at my, you know, white side of my family, uh, you know, one of my great grandfathers was the chief of police for the Syracuse, you know, 
fire department. So there is history there in my bloodline of people having success, um, but there's also a history of people not having opportunities. So, you know, I, I think understanding where black people come from, um, the circumstances they must come out of, specifically in their neighborhoods, I think that will paint a picture as to why some of these black people have been historically um, put in a disadvantaged situation and not given opportunities. And I always tell people all the time, Dan, it's like, you know, if you grow up in a single mother household and maybe you're the oldest of four kids and your mom's at work and you're trying to get your little siblings ready for school and or they have pencils and a lunch packed and, um, you know, they're ready to go. When you show up to school and you turn in your English essay and maybe you forgot to put an extra comma in there or you have a one or two run-on sentences and, you know, you get penalized and, you know, that kid gets an 82 on his English essay when, you know, he probably should have maybe gotten an 88, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of times those kids get swept under the rug saying, oh, he's not smart enough, he can't get the job done. Well, if you took a step back and understand what that young man had to do uh, that morning to get his family family just an opportunity to be educated and get his siblings on to school now that difference in that grade right there it, it, it just looks different you know because you see different circumstances that people have to be put into so i think holistically understanding the black plight and, and how people have been historically oppressed is important to uh, know before we move forward here is stefan thompson here in our community hobart men's basketball uh, head coach, and, and, and you brought that up, you know, like you said, to understand what people are going through. You know, for me, especially on the recruiting trail, when I speak with uh, these young men from the black community, uh, nine times out of ten, unfortunately, well, I, I should I should say I should say eight or nine times out of ten. But the reality of it all is, you know, in, in my life, I have heard players that have said to me, you know, I grow up I, I grew up in a house with just my mom or just my dad, or in certain situations, my grandmother because my dad is in jail, my mom couldn't take care of me, this and that. You know, and, and like you said, you brought up the fact of having to take care of their family and in the essay, you know, they want to get that done, but it might be the last thing on their list with everything they're responsible for. And, you know, kids that are telling me mom works two jobs, three jobs. And I, I just remember sitting with some of these guys and them saying, you know, the first thing, like, I have no choice. I have to make it to the NFL because I have to get my mom out of here. I got to get my grandmother out of here. She's not going to live here anymore. I'm not going to let that happen. You know, so, uh, in a lot of ways in the black community, sports is that way. It's that way to just give it all, put it all on the field or all on the court, make that money, and then not take that money and, and be crazy with it, but to take that money and bring it right back to mom or right back to dad or to grandma and say, here you go, take it, let's get out of here. Shamarco Thomas uh, raising all of his siblings and his children, uh, and, and he is a remarkable human being. So, you know, to go off of your point, you know, a lot of these kids in the black community that I talk to, they don't have both parents at home. And, you know, you might get along with your dad or mom or, or maybe one more than the other, but at least you have them both. I, I'm just, my heart breaks all the time hearing these stories of, you know, I don't even know who my father is. And I, and I think that people really need to understand how hard life has been in the black community and it's it's extremely unfortunate because i mean my friends that are white they all have mom and dad 99.9 uh, percent but you know in the black community i'm used to hearing stories of somebody not being there to raise them and it breaks my heart every time and that's happened for generations dan to be honest and that's that's the devastating part and you know i'm glad people are starting to you know be a little more aware of these 
circumstances that people come from. Um, you know, you look at uh, just the mass incarceration rates of black people, right? And those are a lot of male figures that are being pulled out of households and communities. So as your result, as you mentioned, it, it leaves the result of single mothers, you know, trying to raise people. But, you know, a lot of those burdens then get pushed on to their kids. You know, I know people in my community, even my case, you know, when you turn 12 or 13, you know, you're, you're basically an adult. <laughs> you're not a kid anymore. You know, you're, you're barely getting to middle school, but you got adult responsibilities within your house and within your community. Um, whereas other more privileged situations and backgrounds, you know, kids can be kids, right? And they can, you know, mature and grow up and maybe they don't have some adult responsibilities. So they're, you know, 17, 18 on their own. So, you know, there's definitely some disproportionate realities there amongst our community members, depending on where you come from and what your race is. Uh, coming here from Stefan Thompson this morning. Stefan, uh, before I let you go, in in Syracuse, uh, we have we have seen, obviously, videos. Uh, there's been protests and whatnot. All over the place uh, in our country, there has been a lot of uh, different protests going on. And we were promised, I, I saw one of the videos over the weekend, we were promised 40 days and 40 nights of peaceful protests. How have you seen the protests go? And, and what can you say about how our community is responding, not only to what happened to George Floyd, but what's happened over hundreds of years? Uh the protest to, to be able to see people get together and rally and support a common cause is is inspiring to me to be honest you know i've, I've seen you know, a lot of the videos and pictures of the syracuse community and um, you know seeing the people marching this past weekend that was just a joy to see because i think now um you know more people are aware of these issues but even here at uh at hobart college and, and the Geneva community, they had rallies going on and people walking the streets trying to make sure their peaceful protests are heard. And I think that's just uh, great um, for everyone. Uh, and I think a lot of leaders are going to emerge out of these protests in these situations and they're going to be given a platform to be heard. Um, I know I mentioned on Twitter, uh, I tweeted at the mayor of Syracuse, um, you know, yeah. Ben Walsh. Hey, let's talk. Let's have a let's have a conversation as to what we could do because um, I think you got to get some people from the streets, people that have grown up in those communities um, who have faced adversity, to be at the table when these conversations are happening. Because if they're not, then they're always going to be misrepresented. Um, and I think that's a, a very very part a pivotal part to us making change. Um, and as I mentioned, a lot of leaders are going to come out of these circumstances, and that's something I'm excited about. You know, for us here at Hobart and William Smith Colleges, you know, having pioneers and leaders is just part of our history. Um, overlooking our quad, we have a statue of Elizabeth Blackwell, and she's actually the first female doctor in the United States of America. And uh, when she came to Hobart, Dan, there, there wasn't any female students, so she disguised herself as a, fem as a man and was able to graduate top of her class and become the first female doctor. Um, you know, our president, President Joyce Jacobson, is the first female president in our school history and our athletic director Deb Stewart she's unbelievable job and you know she's been in the leadership role for multiple years approaching two decades now um, so there's people that I've you know bumped shoulders with learned from and just been able to see the, the path that they've laid you know they're trailblazers in their own right but I think a lot of more trailblazers are going to be coming up out of this next generation especially the people that are involved in these protests that coming from Stefan Thompson and Stefan just uh, one final note here about you know, uh, the riots, looting, some people, obviously people in the media want to sensationalize things and, and, and kind of focus on that and not on the peaceful side of it. I'm the opposite in the media. I want to focus on the, the message. So what can you say about the message staying clear and, you know, uh, maybe your hopes of, 
uh, you know, people stopping the, the other side of it because the rioting and the looting and, and the violence, that, that to me, I don't feel like, you know, that's an opportunistic thing. Whenever people get together, there's people that kind of, you know, selfishly look for themselves and do what they have to do and whatnot. But I don't want that to take away from the message of the peaceful protest. And I don't want to, I don't want it to create more than anything else, more racism with people thinking like, this is what it's about. Cause it's not. So what can you say about, you know, making sure that we separate what's going on violently from the reality of, you know, the majority of people out there are trying to spread a good message and they're trying to do it peacefully. I think the rioting, the looting is, is a natural reaction to anger, um, a generational anger, right? And is it the right means to uh, hear your voice heard? I don't necessarily agree with that, but I understand why people get pushed to that point. Um, but for the people who have the urge to go riot or loot, you know, the question I'll ask to them is, you know, if you would look to your right and look to your left and, you know, your son or your daughter or your niece or your nephew are with you, would you still make that decision to go riot or loot? Um, I would say, you know, goodwill would outweigh all the negatives there. And you probably would say, um, you know what? I'm going to go with the peaceful protest because I don't want my you know sons or daughters or my niece or nephews to to see this riding because they know it's not right. So I, I think more good will come out of the peaceful protesting. I think uh, conversations are easier to be had um, and the perception changes, right, that, uh, you know, we can handle adversity within our community and still respond in a positive manner um, and hoping for change for all. Whereas the rioting and looting, they only benefit, um, you know, the individuals that are stealing because you're actually taking from, you know, actual businesses. Um, so I try to use my platform, my voice to, to remain peaceful, but also understand that, you know, some circumstances do push people on their boiling point. Yeah, coming from Stefan Thompson. Stefan, I appreciate it. I know you had a few minutes with us this morning. I would love to keep the conversation uh, going in the coming weeks. And you know that I uh, appreciate you tremendously and everything that you're doing in our society. So keep being a leader, keep doing great things. And thank you this morning for taking some time to go beyond sports and talk about what we need to speak about, not just here on Wake Up Call, but everywhere. I appreciate this, Dan. I look forward to these conversations. Um, you know, even before this stuff was happening, I really love talking with people and learning. And I'm glad we're at the point uh, that we can continue to, to dive deeper in these convos to hopefully good change and you know we're just starting to talk about you know our black history and how black people have been oppressed and to be honest and we haven't even you know got to our first group of oppressed people native americans right we haven't even discussed that conversation with our american history so i'm glad that i'm a part of a pivotal time in our history where we can start making those steps forward to you know hopefully make a better world for those people that come after us amen you know and that's what it's all about it's about moving from here forward unfortunately we can't pay back or we can't we can't do anything for those that have passed on and for those who have, but what we can I, I shouldn't say that what we can do now is make sure that their granddaughters and their grandsons and so on and so forth are taken care of and you know that they can look down on a world that's going to be brighter and to do people like you know Dr. King justice and Malcolm X justice and Harriet Tubman and on and on and on there's so many people we can help and there's people in our community and I love the fact that you are speaking out and I love the fact that you are being a leader in this because it makes me uh, even more proud to know you which I already was so thank you for what you're doing and you know you and I are arm in arm in this thing so whatever I can do to help please let me know appreciate that a lot Dan thanks for the opportunity and hope you have a great week all right you too talk to you soon that, that coming from Stefan Thompson once again here on wake up call with Dan Tortora and you know I'm excited I'm excited about the opportunity in the air of change. I'm not happy with what's happened. I'm not happy with the hundreds and hundreds of years that we've had to sit here and and see. I, I, 
I can't even fathom. I, I try. I really do, folks. You know, as a broadcaster, I try to find the words. I try to find the words to to tell you uh, this is how I feel about it. But the reality of it all is it's wrong. It's it's hateful. It's disgusting. It's despicable. You know, racism and, you know, prejudice of any kind, sexism, it's it's just wrong. You know, and to have people of, you know, and I talked to, I talked to some of my friends about this over the weekend, you know, to, to have people in the black community and uh, people that are gay, people that are Jewish, people that are Hispanic. I mean, that's part of my heritage. People that are Italian, you know, that, that have felt things. And that's part of my heritage as well. People that are Catholic and Christian, people that are Muslim, you know, it's, it, it's gone beyond and what we're seeing in the black community right now is people have had enough. But what I'm loving is when you're seeing the peaceful protests, you're seeing people of all colors that I'm sure have all different creeds, different religions, different backgrounds. And that, that to me is the message. It's not that George Floyd died and a bunch of people from the black community came out and said enough's enough and then everybody else just sat at home. We're seeing people of all different backgrounds come together and and that that to me we're already making a change we're already making a change because every single you know in order for there to be a rainbow every single color has to work together right when you look at a prism every single color you know and they all come together to make one light and and so if we can learn anything from a rainbow they all come together. Every single color has to work together to make that one beam of light. And that beam of hope to me, it has to come from all of us. It can't come from the black community. It has to come from everybody. And, I, you know, St Stefan, I love talking with Stefan because he does something to me. It, you know, he, he, and it's not just about this conversation. When we talk about anything, we talk about basketball. But he just, there's, there's, there's people that exude positive energy. And you just feel that, you know, and I always want to be a beacon of that. And I feel like Stefan is a beacon of that. And I can feel his energy and it gets me excited. You know, it gives me the opportunity to say, yes, that's somebody in our community who's going to help. And we need that in every community. We need people that are going to really just come together and help because it's not good enough to say, oh, you know, it really stinks everything that's that's bad out there. Jerry said, go out and vote, you know, and obviously that's important. But, you know, th there's just this reality of everything that's happened for hundreds and hundreds of years is wrong. And, and if I could have been here 400 years ago to try and stop it, you know, I would have. And now that I'm here today, I mean, I can't I can't even imagine. And that's what I've said before. And you'll hear me say it again later today. Like, no matter how much I care, I will never know what it's like to be a black man. I have friends many, 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 many friends in the community, but I will never fully know what it's like. And it breaks my heart to have to hear the stories. And the fact that I could go to Stefan or I could go to my friend Daryl or I could go to Rob or I could go to Evan and on and on and on. And I could talk to any of them and I could say, hey, do you have a story about one time you didn't feel safe with law enforcement? Oh yeah. You know, back in 1996, like it just... I was talking to Daryl about it, and it took him five seconds to have two stories. And that, to me, that is the problem. You know, and I don't even know how, how, I don't even know what I would do in a morning waking up, finding out that one of my close friends was killed like George Floyd was. And I, I don't even know how to fathom that. 
So, you know, I will always, always, always stand with good people. I don't care what color you are. I don't care. You know, listen, my best friends are Jewish. I believe in Jesus as the Savior. They believe Jesus was a really, really good man. You know, something that people have clashed and fought about for thousands of years. And we love each other. You know, I'm not a woman, and I don't know what childbirth feels like, and I don't know this, that, and the other, but I love, love, love to learn and to know as best I can. And I love my mother. I love my mother. She is my mother and, and my G-mama up in heaven. God bless you, G. Like, they are a beacon of that. So, you know, it's like if you want to educate yourself, like Stefan was saying, then go to good people and educate yourself through that. You know, I had to do things growing up. I had to learn about Thurgood Marshall. You know, I, I did a paper and a project on Thurgood Marshall, the first African-American Supreme Court justice. So, you know, I got educated. I had a good education. You know, C CBA helped prepare me for college. Marywood University helped prepare me for life. Our Lady of Pompeii is where I did my project on Thurgood Marshall. And, you know, I did my project on Guatemala. And I learned so many things that, that I don't know if other people were being taught. And if they weren't, that's sad. But it's what do we do now? You know, it. yes, it makes me sick of everything that's happened. And it, and it upsets me. But the thing is, is what are we going to do about it? I have a platform. I have a show. I've been broadcasting. It'll be 18 years in November. My company turns eight years old this month. I have a place. I built a place. By the blessing and the grace of God, I built this city, this little city I'm living in. And I'm loving it. So I have the opportunity to do this. You know, when I say I built the city, this this Dan Tortora, and I'm a big fan of the song, We Built This City. So Dan Tortora Broadcast Media. But I'm proud of this. And I can do something with this. This is a vehicle. And I can also do something at the dinner table. And I can also do something by, believe it or not, going out in public and hanging out, which I've always done. But, you know, it's just a reality. And I felt that with, with uh, Rob Drummond, who obviously you know is on the show all the time and played for Syracuse and, and the NFL and the CFL and whatnot. Rob and I are very, 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 very close friends. He is a brother to me. I would do anything for the kid. And I call him the kid, even though I'm the kid. He would laugh if he heard that this morning because he's 52, I believe, and I'm 34. But I love Rob, and I would do anything for Rob. And there's places that him and I have gone where people have looked at us, and I'm like, really? Really? It's, 20, it's 2020, bro. You know, it's like, well, he's black, and he's not black, and why are they sitting together? You know, it's like, I remember playing basketball. There was only one family, one African-American family on my grandmother's street. And uh, my dad's mom. And, I, and we were on the north side. And I remember that uh, it was two brothers, and they would ask me to play basketball. You know? And I wanted to play. And I felt like people around me were kind of like, mm, should you play? And I was, yeah, I was young. I was like seven or eight years old. And then one day, they are like, do you want to play? And I was like, yeah. You know? And I remember this. I'll never forget this, because I didn't feel safe. So I can only imagine how they felt. But this, this, this brown, like, this brown big old car pulls up slowly and you know this white guy just kind of looks at us and then goes on and it was just this feeling it was like soot 
You know, it was like, why are you playing with these kids? And it's like, because uh, they're the only kids on the block that asked me to play. There's white kids all over the place. But these are the only kids that asked me to play basketball, and I don't really care what color they are, so I'm going to play basketball. And to be completely honest with you, I don't remember anything about the games that we played. I just remember that they asked me to play. And I will always appreciate the fact that they said, hey, do you want to play? And so now I feel like returning that favor on a grander scale is saying, can we please bring people to the table of the black community, like Stefan said, and can we let them play? Can we have these conversations? You know, you again, you want to find out about what it feels like to be pregnant. You talk to a woman who has been pregnant and has had a baby that's who you go to. You don't go to a woman that hasn't been pregnant. You don't go to a man. You don't go to a donkey. You go to a woman and you talk to her about it. So if you want to know about being marginalized and you want to know about life in the black community, you go to someone. If you want to learn about the projects, you go to people in the projects. You don't go to somebody who never lived in the projects that lives in the black community. You talk to somebody who lived in the projects. You go straight to the source and you have the conversation. And I would love to sit at that table. Are you kidding me? I would love to sit at that table. Sit at the table of, of you know, someone from the black community that's, you know, grew up in Camillus, somebody that grew up in, you know, in, in on the on, on you know on the south side. I would love that. I would love that. You know, I went to Danforth Middle School and I spoke there. I would love to have representation from Danforth Middle School just as much as I want to have it from Liverpool and CNS and JD and so on and so forth. I want to see this in our community. I don't care if we're the first ones to do it or the 80th ones to do it. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk about reality. And if you think that I'm crazy this morning, you're like, Dan, let's just talk about sports. Let's talk about the NBA. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you an honest question. If this was happening to white people for 400 years and you're white, how would you feel right now? Would you be saying, oh my God, Dan, let's talk about the Boston Celtics, Jesus. Or would you say, no, I agree, enough's enough. If we were talking about the oppression of women right now and you're a woman listening to the show, watching the show, wouldn't you want to have this discussion? It is so easy to say, well, that's not my culture. Well, that's not my race. Well, that, you know, thank God that's not helping me. I can promise you something. If God believes in reincarnation and you're sitting here today saying, well, thank God I'm not black, when you come back, you're going to be. Because that's how God works, in my opinion. He's going to let you feel what it's like. I love, love, love peaceful protesting. I know people are angry, but I love peaceful protesting. And I love that this world is finally listening. I don't know what the hell it took, but I'm happy. And Gene, Gene's on the show. Gene was with me last Monday with a fantastic conversation. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Gene Waldron. But I don't know what, why George Floyd, I don't know why this was the moment, but I'm happy that this was the moment. And shout out to my guy, Aaron Service, who's on here right now. Aaron, Evan Adams, and I are are going to have a conversation at 10.15 a.m. Eastern Time this morning, and he shouts you out. And we both shout you out because you're awesome. So shout out to my man, Service. But, uh, you know, reality is, I don't know why George Floyd was the reason that we finally got to the table. But we're here now. And we have to do something about this now. We have to. Because if we don't, 
I, I just, I can't, fa I, and again, I will never know what it's like to be a black man, but I'm going to do everything in my power to understand. I'm going to do everything in my power to be a part of the community. On a weekly basis and sometimes a daily basis, I am talking to members of the black community and I've chosen that in my field and in what I do and what I love. I love it. And you know what? I can't stand, and I'm going to come out and say this, I cannot stand that I've had conversations in 2020 with people that have told me that, oh, the majority of the black community is, is bad, or if it's not, it's 90%. Let me say something to you, okay? Let me say something directly to you that feel that way. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, but you're not entitled to ignorance. And the reality of it all is, when push has come to shove with my business, my show, I started this show. I, I mean, well, I started broadcasting back in 2003. But when I came back here and I started my company, the people that I leaned on, the people that were there for me, a ton of those people. And I don't see color because I don't care. You just got to be a good person and we're straight. But I have to mention it for this point. Members of the black community. When I did the CNY Pop Festival a couple years ago, Dennis Duval, Gene Waldron, Daywan Coleman, Rob Drummond, Kyle McIntosh, and on and on and on and on, Demetrius Nichols. Not only did they help me out, but they came there for free. They didn't take a penny. They donated all their autograph money to charity. We got to bring that to a charity, the Canteen, that helps teens of all different backgrounds and colors and cultures in Cicero that's right by CNS. And we got to help the community. They didn't take a penny. So when I needed help and I needed somebody there and I needed to lean on people to be great guests at my first ever festival that we put on without a hitch... Those people that stepped up, the overwhelming majority from the black community. So I'm not going to sit here and be okay with a conversation where somebody says the N-word. I'm not going to be okay with a conversation where somebody tells me, well, most people in the black community are bad. I'm not going to do that. And maybe that's what you have to do in your life. Maybe that's how we start. Maybe that's how we start changing things. Don't sit there in silence anymore where, you know, Uncle Bob just spews off some some hate speech and you go, oh, well, that's Uncle Bob being Uncle Bob. You know, he's 70. You know, it's part of his call. I, you know, have you ever heard that? Well, you know, he grew up at a time where it was okay to say the, it was never okay to say the N-word. You know, being Italian, I don't want to hear WAP. Being, being Hispanic, I don't want to hear Spick. That's the N-word. Now, I, I can say that from the community, but I don't say those words. I don't go up to my friends that are Italian and say those words. I don't go up to my friends that are Hispanic and say those words. I don't like those words. They, they push me down. And maybe that's how you start making change, positive change in your life. You don't just sit there and be okay with what people are saying. Maybe that's how you change things. Because I have had conversations with people in my life and I have found out just how far part of the problem they are. And then I've also sat in the car with people that I love and been on the phone with people that I love and I am blown away by how much love and compassion that they have. My mom is heartbroken over this. 
And my mom is not a member of the black community. My mother is heartbroken over this. And you tell my mom if she, and I said that to her, I go, Ma, imagine if you and I were African-American. She already worries about me at 34 years old. Your, your parents are always going to worry about you. I can't imagine my mother, because I got pulled over by a cop, and, it, you know, being Hispanic or whatever, my skin gets dark and, you know, dark, whatever, caramel color, whatever you want to call it. And I was dating a Puerto Rican girl at the time. When we got pulled over and we got harassed by a cop, it was nothing even touching the corner of a surface of what an African-American would go through in a situation like that. And that situation, my mom was like, I want the guy's badge. He's done. He's never going to be a cop again. So it's like for my mother to feel that and for this to be, you know, the African-American community, it's like my mom literally just sat and was staring at the dashboard going like, I don't care what anybody says. What happened to that man was wrong. It was wrong. He killed him. It was wrong. And those are the conversations we need to have. Like, you need to cry over this. We need to be heartbroken over this. And we need to make change. And that's why I love, 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 love the fact that I have this platform and this opportunity to give members of the African-American community and beyond the conversation because Dave Paziak and I have had this conversation, Stefan Thompson and I, you know, Gene Waldron, Cam Jones, and on and on and on and on. And I'm so grateful that we have been able to talk about this together. But now we need to make sure that the leaders in our world, because in our country, Pardon me. In our country, and it's not just the president, it's reality. In our country, do you really feel like Congress listens to you? Do you really feel like the people that represent us in Washington, D.C., do you really feel like they listen to us? Because I don't. I feel like they're there, they're opportunistic. Now, there's good people everywhere, but they're opportunistic, right? In order for me to know if they're doing their job, we almost need to like shadow them all. We need to like all become interns and shadow every single person on the Supreme Court justice, shadow the president, shadow, you know, shadow everybody in Congress, everybody in the House of Representatives, everybody in the Senate. Because I don't know what they do, but I don't feel like they listen. I don't feel like they listen to the American people, period. And then when you look at the black community, absolutely not. I don't see that there is a conversation. I feel like I feel like people in the black community have been used by politicians, but I don't know if they've been helped by politicians. So we need to make this change. We have to. And the fact that a virus that has kept us indoors for two and a half months is not stopping anybody from going out there and peacefully protesting, I commend you on that. It's like, you know what? At this point, I don't even care if I get sick today. I hope that I don't, but I don't even care if I get sick today because this this message is too great. And I feel like that like we have such a moment in our history right now. I'm so passionate about because we have we have a moment right now where people are going, no, I'm not staying home. I'm not doing that. Like there is a virus, an invisible virus that has been scaring the you know what out of people all over the world. And yet 50 states are protesting and countries all over the world are protesting saying, you know what? I hope I don't get sick, but this is bigger than me. This is bigger than, you know, I hope my immune system can take it because my heart can't take what's going on anymore. I hope my immune system can take it because my heart can't take what's going on anymore. I'm happy that we're standing up now. But we need to make sure that we stand up and we don't sit down until this is fixed, until it is moving in the right direction. 
We have been trying to push this train on the tracks for hundreds and hundreds of years. It is time to finally get this train moving because God forbid everybody feels safe and God forbid everybody has the same freedoms and God forbid everybody feels like, you know, protect and serve is for them too. It is time. This is like the, the, this should be the easiest fix. Hey, when you see a human being out there, treat them all equal. Criminals are individuals. They're not groups, okay? And what I mean by that is not every black person is a criminal. Not every cop wants to beat somebody up. Not every white person is a racist. You've seen those things everywhere, right? But it's that's reality. Just because you're white doesn't mean you're bad. Just because you're black or you're a cop or you're Hispanic or you're a woman or you're this, it doesn't mean anything negative. It's who you are. It's the content of your character. I've said this over and over again on the show and I'll say it again. The only people that I don't like in this world, there's only one type of person that I don't like in this world. It's a diligent a-hole. A person who wakes up in the morning and says, I'm unhappy with my life and I want to make other people unhappy. Those are the only people that I don't like. Because those people that are out there trying to spread negativity and hate comes in all shapes and sizes. Prejudice, sexist, racist, and on and on. Or just a person that's just mean to everybody. But that's the only type of person that I don't like. I like everybody else. You know? So if there's somebody not in my life because of a certain... It's never because of a color or religion. If you're not in my life, it's because you're not a nice person. It's got nothing to do with your color or your religion or any of that. I love the fact that my friends are the rainbow because together we make a great light. And see, I have that world, so I'm open to everyone. But not everybody has that world. And like Stefan said, you have to open those doors. You have to you have to take your narrow hallway and you have to widen it. If you look around and go, well, I don't have any friends that, <laughs> you know, all my friends have the same religion. We all look the same way. Broaden your horizon. You know? I've lived in other places. I've traveled to other places. I know other languages. I love to learn because if you die having not known anything but like this little tiny window, how did you live? But this thinking is the thinking that caused 400 years of oppression. We have to widen our horizon. We have to look at the world through many eyes, not just our own. We are not God. We cannot see it all. We might think we are, but we're not. And this is an opportunity to say, my heart just can't take any more. And I'll tell you, for me, and I can't speak for the black community, but for me, I would think if I was a member of the black community, and I saw all these people of all different colors and races and backgrounds come out and love me and help me at this time, God, that would be a moment that made me fall to my knees and just cry. Happy tears. So keep helping each other. Please stay peaceful. And I believe in a God that is merciful and I believe in a God that is good. And his people have been running all over the place lately. It's time to come together and get this train moving in the right direction.